Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Eating Crow with Pete Durand. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Eating Crow podcast. I am joined by Steve Cutler. Steve's kind of my brother from another mother across the country because he's a fitness guy. And <laughs> I say that lightly, he's much more than that, but I jived with uh, his message. He's got a coaching business that I think goes well beyond just fitness into all aspects of kind of the human condition. And, and we're going to hear more about that and how we get started. So Steve, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Great to, great to be on. I, uh, we connected on LinkedIn, found your podcast. And I mean, it was just a, an instant connection because I, I love the message that you're putting out there. So, well, thank you. And, and you have the world's most professional podcast voice. It's, it's phenomenal. <laughs> thank you. I had a friend you, of mine. You're a radio DJ. On. So you could, you can truly say that you have a voice for radio. Yeah. Well, I had a friend early on that got me into radio and he said, Steve, you definitely have the face for radio. So let's see if you could do the other part. I said, thank you. <laughs> Everybody uses that joke. I actually think they're serious half the time they say this to me. It me. I think so too. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at your background, tell us, you know, when, when, when you grew up, was it something about your parents, your family, or people around you that, that caused you to be aware of more than just kind of what I'll call being fit, but kind of mind, body, and soul? What is it that drew you to this passion of yours? It's a little bit environmental, and I think it's some internal. You know, I grew up with a deep desire to help other people. And I'm not sure where that came from, except for maybe like watching my mom and dad. You know, they're phenomenal people. They have been very integral in my life, very service-minded, very service-oriented throughout their life. And so I've had this deep desire to help other people and an awareness of opportunity and pain in people and, you know, some ways that I could help them to improve and evolve. I think where the health and fitness aspect came into it is I grew up in Utah and our home that I grew up in was about two or three blocks away from where you could ride, I could ride my bike, eventually a mountain bike. I mean, we didn't have mountain bikes back in the day. So it was a little BMX bike sure. that you would ride to the edge of the road. And as Shel Silverstein's book, uh, Where the Sidewalk Ends, that was my house, right? Sidewalk ended and it was all dirt from there. And so I spent a significant amount of my childhood growing up in the mountains, riding bikes, building jumps, doing stupid things in the mountains. And so health and fitness at that time was really just a, an, an outgrowth of where we grew up and what we love to do. Love playing basketball. I love getting out in nature. And I think over time, I found that this whole concept of having an overall healthy mindset, a healthy body spirit connection was probably born from the time that I spent in nature as much as anything else. You know, it's interesting. I saw a very interesting quote yesterday. It was actually, it was a video that I saw a gentleman produce and he was dressed in, I'll call it a pack rim somewhere type of garb. And he was mm -hmm. talking about to solve the depression issue, you just need to move your body. Yeah. Yeah. He said he was hundreds of years ago, a hundred years ago, depression wasn't a thing. Right. Because we did manual labor all the time. We were outside, we were hunting, gathering, preparing. Everyone was involved in every aspect of that. Yeah. And he said, now you can sit, literally never get out of bed and have people bring you food and consume content all day long. Yep. And he said that that chemical, physical, emotional 
all the content you feed in through, you know, through social media, he goes, there's a reason that we're depressed. It's because we're doing the wrong things. Well, we're living vicariously, I think, through other people. And rather than saying, this is the life I want to live, we're living vicariously through a social media post or yeah. somebody, you know, showing off that they've got a great physique and maybe we don't. And so I'm with you. I mean, you start moving your body and especially if you can get to the point where you're moving out in nature, and even if that's just going for a walk, yes, there is a completely different energy that is built up inside of us when we could move on a consistent basis. I've had people, in fact, I was just with a coaching client and we were discussing this idea of how movement affects and changes the brain. Several years ago, I had a client come to me that uh, at the time, he just said, hey, I want to lose you know, 20, 30 pounds. So pretty wealthy guy. He was you know, the head of his company, was a founder, CEO, and worth you know, tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. So we got him moving and we did the standard process of taking care of your health, eat better, get outside, do these sorts of things. Well, fast forward about three, four months in, and he came in and he said, Steve, I've just got to tell you, you know, thank you for saving my life. And flippantly, I laughed at him. I didn't, I, I thought he was joking. I said, I don't save people's lives. I make you squat. I make you curse me out. Like, sure. You know, at the time I was a, primarily a fitness trainer and a coach. And he said, no, I, I, I got to tell you, you, you saved my life because I came to you with this idea that I was either going to you know, go see this guy that everybody was telling me about, or I was going to take my own life. And he says, the way that you got me moving and thinking and fueling my body has completely rid me of this uh, depression and this anxiety that I've had for, I don't know how long. And fortunately to this day, I mean, that was 20 some odd years ago, I'll run into him and we'll, we still stay in contact. And he's very happy, very healthy. And he just realized that you know, having all the money in the world didn't bring the happiness. He needed to incorporate the movement. He needed to incorporate nature. He needed to incorporate that time with his family doing those types of things. And it completely transitioned the way he felt and the way he lived his life. Yeah, I think you're you're touching on a lot of things there. One, if you get out in nature, you don't typically have your phone with you. Right. 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 So that electrical tether is no longer there. And I think people underestimate the power of the smells and the humidity and the oh, changes in temperature. 100%. And sunlight, right? And, you know, people talk about vitamin D. Well, they're not talking about you can take a supplement, but getting outside and observing it mm-hmm. is so much better. And manual labor is an incredibly life-changing thing. And a lot of people just don't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I found for a lot of years when I was in leadership positions in companies, I would go home at the end of the day through just coaching people, spending time working on a profit and loss statement, whatever it was. And I didn't know what I had accomplished. You know, I didn't feel like I had accomplished anything. And so the best thing for me was to go get a lifting session in or to go in the backyard and work on chopping up a tree or, you know, digging a hole or whatever it was that we were working on at the time, because that manual labor aspect, you can look at it and say, okay, I did that. I moved that yeah. thing from here to there, and there's a sense of accomplishment that you just you don't get in any other way. It's instant, and you know I think for me, if I woke up on a Saturday morning and had a list of projects to do around the house, mm-hmm. could be hanging a shelf or you know moving something around for my wife or doing whatever. When when that list is finished, it's incredibly gratifying. Oh, completely, yeah. It and and it can be as simple as just reorganizing something, but well, you sure. feel that sense of gratification. The other thing people forget is our bodies are meant to move in multiple planes. Yes. A lot of exercise yes. today is, you know, it's 
it doesn't get sagittal, it doesn't get transverse, it's forward, backward, up and down. Right. And the other thing is we're meant to do it all day long. Yeah. Yeah. I'll even admit I, I, I sit or stand most of the day. I get my workout in every day, but that hour, 90 minutes, whatever I do, isn't enough. Right. I should be standing, I should be squatting, I should be walking, I should be doing something more. And I think mechanically people don't realize I when we moved into our last house, my son and I did the move ourselves. We said, we're gonna do this ourselves. We're gonna nice. consider it a week long workout. Yeah, that's great. And there were three days where we went from about 6 a.m. till midnight, three days in a row, loading and unloading a truck, up and down stairs, furniture. We didn't do any cardio. We didn't do any strength training for about two weeks. Mm. In two weeks, I was shredded. Yeah. Like ripped. Mm -hmm. And it was because I I was doing things I hadn't done and I did it all day long. Well, and that's the thing. We, We forget that... The human body has evolved over time to adapt to the stimulus and the stress and the pressure that we put on it, right? And so one of the things that I have, you know, I'm 46, I'll be 47 here in a couple of months. And I questioned myself a few years ago. I'd gotten into a point where I had believed the hype of, okay, after this certain age, you can't do this, or after that age, you can't do that. And I said, wait, wait a minute, what am I, what am I doing here believing this dogma? What if I just challenged myself? And I had a friend of mine who was in his uh, late seventies, early eighties. You know, he was a triathlete. One day we're sitting on the bike together. He was rehabbing a knee. I was rehabbing a hip from some injuries that we'd had. And I said, how do you do this? I mean, at this stage of life, how do you continue to go? And he says, well, I just keep moving. He says the the body will adapt, you know? And so I started to do that. I started to just exercise every day. I don't take days off now. And it's amazing what has happened since doing that because, you, you know, people forget 100, 200 years ago, nobody was taking a rest day. Nobody was talking about, oh, I need to recover from the gym. That type of stuff, I think, is just it's, – it's become this dogmatic piece that we put out there. But I also believe it's a marketing play. I think that this idea sure. of everyone needs to recover and in order to recover, you need to buy this drink. You need to buy this powder, right? Sure. I don't take a lot of supplements. I eat well. I go to sleep. The best recovery I can get is going to sleep at night, waking up at 4 a.m. the next day, and then doing it again. So my body then understands it. Hey, it's time to move again, so we better recover fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you learn to take advantage of the downtime that you have. The fact that we have to schedule exercise is a problem. Yeah, for sure. You never used to have to do that. Like, you have to put it in your calendar and schedule physical movement. And, you know, you almost have to schedule food. And again, we're both in the, in the health and fitness space, but you know, hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, three hundred years ago, you you were lucky to eat twice a day, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. You, there was yeah. the hunting team, there was the gathering team, and there was the preparing team. And the preparing team prepared all day long. They were on their feet doing some chore around the the, the camp, the house, the cabin, wherever they were, all day long while people hunted and gathered everything else. And and you ate very small quantities of very nutrient and fat dense foods. Right, right. In very dense nutrients. And you would get a lot of energy from that. And oh, yeah. you would you would be able to function well. You would be able to go for a long period of time. There's a book out there, or well, I guess it's a it's a course on Audible, uh, part of their Great Courses series, where the authors or the lecturer goes through the history of food and the way that we eat as far back as recorded time that we yep. could find. How did people eat? How did they move? Pretty fascinating to see how would eat and move. But the reality is everyone would eat in season locally with what they could get. And like you said, one or two times a day on average, 
if people could eat more than that, then they would. But you would have these feast and famine times. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there was no such thing as obesity back in no. those days. There, there, we didn't, I don't think we even saw obesity rise until statistically until we got into probably the 1980s. That is exactly when it happened. Yeah. And then, then that we start to see this thing skyrocket. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day that said, well, what do you think? about I interviewed this dietitian who does research on obesity on my podcast recently and he said yeah I was a little bit iffy on some of the stuff she was talking about with the genetic factors and I said look I I'm not opposed to this idea that there might be a genetic predisposition to somebody being overweight that might be the case and the gene may be expressing itself differently in our society but all you have to do is look back 100 years ago 200 years ago and this incidence of obesity and so many people being overweight morbidly obese people didn't exist 200 yeah. years ago that's we, not a genetic we, evolution that doesn't no, happen in 100 no, no, no. years not even not even close those that happens over no. millions of years that is not something that can evolve and adapt over time over that short period of time and so many people want to make it genetic i'll, I'll tell you what genetics is and, and when any, anybody comes at me well it's genetic no it's not let me tell you what genetics no. is genetics is why usain bolt can run a 97100 and i can't right that's genetics right. that's but the difference it has yep. nothing to do with our weight no, He's genetically predispositioned to do that better than me. And no, no amount of training, no amount of anything could help me do that. Right. But, right. you know, nutrition in our weight is, it's a closed loop thermodynamic system. It's energy, energy out. And that's it. And the fact that the human body could fast for days at a time mm -hmm. and still survive and and thrive. I mean, not only did you fast, but you had to hunt, run, gather. You had to work during that fast period of time. It wasn't like you slept. Yeah. You weren't hibernating. You were still actively working. And if you're moving, you're still maintaining muscle mass. You're still oh, yeah. maintaining power. You're still maintaining the energy. You still have the ability to do everything that you put your body in way of doing. So, yeah, I, I think that the genetic factor, we have to really set that aside. One, one argument I heard recently was a researcher said, well, you know, statistically, we believe it's genetic because statistically obese families are becoming more and more prevalent. You know, so if you have obese parents, you have obese kids. I said, well, uh, I would, that, that that's the, some of the worst scientific reasoning that I've ever heard. I think that that is as much of a lifestyle factor as it is anything else. Because if I am obese and overweight, I have habits. I have habits of how I live my life move or not move. I have habits of how I eat. I have habits of sitting on the couch and watching television. My kids are going to pick up on those habits. They just naturally do. All of that. I mean, that is, yeah. it's so prevalent. In, in, you know, if you wake up in a house and your parents eat processed foods all day long, they don't exercise. They watch TV from six at night till midnight, go to bed, lather, rinse, repeat. And you all that's yep. all you see for 18 years. Guess what? It's hard to break the cycle. You can. Now, I'm, I'm a perfect example. I grew up in a house where my mom was morbidly obese. Mm. And my dad was a you know, state champion wrestler and grew up on a farm. Worked his ass off all the time. Yeah. yeah. And I gravitated towards that behavior. I was the oldest. I was the son. And it was kind of expected. This is what you're going to do. And I, I just leaned toward it. I didn't even think about it, honestly. I have two sisters who are 11 and 12 years younger than me. It was a lot harder for them to gravitate towards that. They both did mm. a good job, but it was their role model was in a different place in life, mentally, right. emotionally, physically. Right. And and it's you can't argue the impact that had on them. 
And, you know, so it, it is, I would say you, you mentioned the eighties, right? In the eighties, you can focus on a couple different things, processed food evolution, right? Sure. Yep. Sugar derivatives. And then the biggest thing is the whole fat is bad. Carbs are good thing. That whole right. movement. Right. You yep. can look at obesity and diabetes and they just literally took off like a hockey stick. And again, the fact that that data is so scarily hockey sticked, mm-hmm. and I'm no rocket scientist, but I look at it and go, something happened. What was it? Yeah. Cable TV. Well, you go back through, you look at all of those yeah. lifestyle factors. Yeah. Cable TV, the way that we promoted food. You know, I, I remember thinking to myself, Pop-Tarts were healthy because oh, yeah. it was low fat. Right? Bagels that were was, great. Yeah. Yeah. So calories are just fat waiting to happen and people didn't realize that. Right. Right. So we, we did that for 25 years. So a generation grew up with that and that was the tipping point. Yep. And then people didn't want to address it and have the conversation. It's a tough conversation, you know, and I, I'm in the training world. I've trained a lot of people around a company on this and it's tough when, when someone wants to come to the table with a bunch of excuses about, well, I like to do this. I don't like to do that. And, and when you lay out the simplicity of it, cause exercise and eating right is pretty simple. It's not complicated. Yeah. And again, do I just want to be healthy or do I want to be a, a special ops soldier or an Olympic athlete? Those are different extremes. But the concept of managing your weight and staying healthy isn't very difficult. It's four or five basic movements, three or four different food groups you got to stay in and stay out of, and it's not hard. The challenge is, is the distractions, the mental, the social impact of getting people to make, make changes in their behavior. That's where it's really hard. Yeah. One of the things I jokingly, but I'm serious about it, when I coach my clients or if I'm giving a lecture, the one phrase that I'll use on an, on an ongoing basis is that if, you, if you're if you good at making excuses, you probably suck at everything else. Yeah. Because if you choose to, to lean into excuses, you will not develop the knowledge, skills, and abilities that it takes to, to develop any other area of life. And so if I have a hard time managing my weight and I want to excuse it because of genetics or because of lifestyle or because of stress or whatever else, then I get really good at that. And I won't get good at the lifestyle factors. And you're right. It's very simple. It's a very simple formula. Can I eat a little bit less than what my body needs in order to lose that weight? Can I move just a little bit more? It's these few simple, basic tasks and activities that we can weave into life. And then over time, so I, with my uh, Evolve method that I talk to my clients about, you, you have to go through these three different phases. Yeah. So you have to initiate, which initiation is how do I start a habit? How do I get something going? And it doesn't have to be big. It's just a matter of show up, show up for whatever it is that you want to do. Sure. And then you go into this elevate phase where, okay, now that I'm doing that thing, how do I elevate it to a higher level? Eventually, you get to automation. The automation is the fun part. Automation is where now that I've got this habit, I can now automate that habit by identifying in a different way. So if I was overweight and I would call myself a fat person before, well, once I've started to move and the weight starts to come off, I look around and I say, wait a minute. No, I'm a healthy person. What that does is now subconsciously, I'm identifying with something that matches with the behaviors that I've been doing. And I will automatically start to have thoughts come up of, oh, a healthy person doesn't eat this. Oh, a healthy person doesn't go out and get drunk in the bar every weekend. A healthy person doesn't do that. And so now my decisions become so much, I don't run into decision fatigue because once I'm at that point and I truly identify with this new automated piece of who I've become, then life becomes easier. Like yeah. I, I can tell you, I mean, I got 46 years old. I asked myself, okay, how lean could I really get? And I pushed myself into about five and a half percent body fat. 
and said, okay, that's probably right. That's enough. That's about as lean as I want to go. Yep. And I can maintain in a single digit body fat percentage all the time because it's just, it's automated. It's part of who I am. I have the habits. I have the ability to do it. And anybody can do that. Sure. You know, whether you want to get to low double digits or whether you want to get into a single digit, I don't know that there's one that's better than the other. But when you get to that point and you identify as that, it becomes so much easier to maintain. It does. And I think you also have to look at the fact that this is a body of work. It's not any given day. Right. Right. There are a lot of people that think, oh, you know, my dog died, so I ate a box of Hagen dazs and it's over. The diet, yeah. the diet's over. It's done. Yeah. Your body has an amazing way of adapting and readapting to different conditions. So you have to, you know, I tell people, well, where do you want to be in a year? Mm-hmm. Right. But where do you want to be in a year? And let's, you know, let's, let's just track certain behaviors over a period of time. And if you look back and there's more green circles and red circles, you win. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you can start to get a little more precision on body fat percentage or mile times or weight lifted right. or whatever you want to. Right. But if you get your body into a healthy weight, then you're right. Then you start to realize, I tell people, no one's ever regret. You don't ever regret a workout and you don't ever regret a salad. Right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. No one ever gets, yep. those, I wish I had had that salad or I wish I had done that workout. They go, I'm so glad that I got that workout. I'm glad I had a healthy meal. When you skip the workout and binge Netflix for four hours, you regret it. When You regret the ice cream. You regret 100%, everything. 100%. Right. And that yep. doesn't mean, you know, that my wife and I, every few weeks, don't go to a local pub, sit at the bar and have a burger with each other and right. just smile, have a great time. We just have a burger and we kind of just think this is it's kind of a fun night out. Next day we get up and do our workout. She's even as, you know, if not more committed than I am to it, but you can enjoy just about anything. You just can't enjoy anything a little too much. And, and I think people forget that too. There's a lot of flexibility. There's a, there's an adaptability that the body has that is pretty fascinating. One of the things I've found over time is there's certain things that I just love to eat. You know, I do, my wife makes certain treats, my daughter makes certain treats sure. that I love to eat. So from time to time, I'll have those. What I notice is if I'm consistent with everything else that I'm doing, on those days where I'm eating those treats, when I go to bed, I can't sleep in my normal pajamas. I can't sleep under the covers because my body just goes up. It's almost like oh, it yeah. doubles the intensity of the heat. Yeah. And my body just wants to burn that off. And so I wake up the next day and I'm fine. And my body has just said, okay, you ate more calories today than what you normally eat. So we're going to ramp the metabolism up overnight yep. and you're going to wake up you know, different the next day. So the body is super adaptable, but you have to train it. It's like a computer. You've got to put the right things in in order to get the right things out of it. And like I tell all of my clients who are executives, you've really got to identify, back to your point of the circles, you know, the green circles and the red circles, there's certain KPIs in business that really matter more than others, right? If you're, you nail your sales KPIs down to two or three different things, and then you miss on four or five, you're probably still going to win, yeah. right? You look at great investors and the people who have built wealth over time with investing, they made consistent good decisions. Sure. And then every once in a while, there was a, you know, a bat that got swung that got them to the uh, grand slam. And it's like that in health and fitness too. If I can consistently make good decisions, there are two or three decisions that I just have to make regular, you know, at one time say, never again, I'm going to do this. Never again, will I go that direction or I'm absolutely going to live this way. You know, for instance, like my wife and I in about a month or so, we're going to go to California to see my nephew get married. And we made a decision years ago that vacations, when we go on vacation, it's not to just go lay around and sit and do nothing. Sure. Vacations for us 
are what can we go do to have an adventure, to have fun, right? So that one decision of asking that question of every vacation we go on, we're going to ask, what can we go do to have fun? It's going to lead us to, we've already decided we've never taken surf lessons before. We're going to take surf lessons when we're at the beach. We're going to go play beach volleyball. We're going to, you know, get some longboards and go hit the boardwalk. We're going to do several different things. Some we've done before, some we haven't. But that all comes from that one decision that we made several years ago, that vacation is going to be reframed now. It's not going to be, let's go binge and eat and lay on a beach. We We want to enjoy life. So it's big decisions combined with those little decisions that build the wealth of our health and fitness over time. Yeah, I used to travel a lot. I mean, I spent uh, two different years, almost 200 nights in hotel rooms. And wow. for a lot of wow. people, that's a that's a challenge for them to eat right and exercise because many of your meals sure. are in restaurants. Yep. And restaurants, I don't think people realize how much, particularly higher-end restaurants, the amount of butter and oils and spices and salts that go into the food that they serve you. Yep. And if you do that consistently, not only is there a calorie issue, but just the chemicals and, and the things you're putting in your body are really hard to come back from. Yeah. So and it wasn't difficult for me. I, I, I'm blessed. I like to eat healthy. So for me, it was typically a salad and a lean piece of meat or fish that I would say just cook it, you know, sands everything else and throw it on the salad. Yeah. A lot of water, never more than a drink anywhere I was at a meal, no matter where it was, because you don't want to be that person. And then for me, I found traveling was almost the best time to exercise. Because yeah, no same. one starts meetings right. early on the road, <laughs> right. right? And if you got up at six, yeah. you got a whole hotel gym to yourself. There was no reason not to work out. Yeah. And I think once people realize that, then I, I know getting on the plane, I see the guy walking towards me, you know, squeezing between the rows to get to the seat, weighs 350 mm-hmm. pounds, sweating, having a hard time breathing. And I'm thinking, it doesn't have to be this way. It just, right. just doesn't have to be this way. It's hard. I know, I know you're coming from a place that might, that habit might be difficult, but when you talk with a client or a coaching client and you know this let's just the ceo that had all the money in the world right he wanted to get his health back mm-hmm. right he's got a different motivation right he's he doesn't have to work right so he he's in a sense maybe got time yep yep what is it about what are the first three things you'd have somebody like that do to get their head around all right today i'm going to do my workout and today i'm going to make healthy decisions to eat what do you what do you typically have to correct first yeah, great question. Actually, I'll I'll jump to a client that I was coaching yesterday. He's the CEO of a SaaS company. He's been, you know, become very successful. And we were talking, and the first thing that I typically will do is I'll I just ask the question instead of saying what are your goals, I ask the question of what do you want. You know, tell me what you want. And sometimes that leads to a goal conversation. Sometimes that leads to a conversation of you know I want to feel this way or I want to feel that way. It could be that I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to lose 20 pounds or whatever. And so with this client, I just said, what do you want? What are you looking for? And his initial response was, I want this year to be, I want to get in the best shape of my life. I said, okay, well, what does that look like? What's the image in your mind? Well, it looks like this. I want to start doing this activity. I want to start doing that activity. Great. Awesome. So we've got an anchor point now. Sure. So we're going to start on that anchor point and then we're going to get dig deeper. So the first thing is, I just want to know what's alive in that person. Everyone has something deep inside of them that is alive that they're not letting out. And so for him, I need to know what's alive in him. Then the second step is I need to dig deeper to see what is the ultimate goal. And so as we're talking and I've got him moving, I dig a little bit deeper. And the reason I dig deeper while people are moving is it's harder to have your ego 
on stage when you're exercising. If I've got you doing a bench press and we're resting in between, or you're doing a deadlift, or you just ran a sprint, or whatever it was, your ego is gone because I've already got you gassed, winded, tired, whatever. And so you're going to be more authentic with me. And so that's where I go into step two, where it's, I need to know why. And it's really not just why, but what is it that you actually want? So in between sets, I said, tell me more. You said you want to get into the best shape of your life. Why? And he said, well, here's something I did anybody up to this point. And so he walked me through an experience that happened to him last year that made him realize that he really doesn't have to work anymore. And if at some point he gets to the point where he sells his company, then what's he going to do? And he said, I realize that at this stage of life, I don't know what I would want to do. I don't know where I would want to go or what I could do because I feel old. He goes, I'm not an old guy, but I feel old and I don't want to feel old. I said, tell me more about that. What does that look like? So I keep asking the tell me more question to get to what the ultimate goal is. And after a few sets and then asking these questions in between sets, we got to Pater. And Pater essentially was that he wants to have options in life. And I think many of us make decisions, whether it's financial decisions or health decisions, so that we can have options. And I said, so let me just clarify. It sounds like that getting in the best shape of your life this year is going to be the thing that will give you options regardless of what you do this year, next year, or the next. That if you end up selling your business or you end up getting to the point where you have all the money in the world, then... You want to be able to go run on the beach. You want to go cliff jump. You want to go paraglide, whatever it is. And there's no limitations. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, yeah, that's it. And so once we've clarified, then I go into the third step, which is we then create a new anchor point. And I say, okay, you told me that your goal was this. We've identified that this is really what you want. Now that's our new anchor point. And so every movement that we do, I am going to bring that up as you're working through it. And so this new anchor point becomes the thing that I want to integrate the body, the mind, and the soul together. And so while he's working out, not you know during the, the deadlift, the squat, or whatever, but in, in between, I say, this is why we're doing this. And I remind him every single set sure. in a different yeah. way why he's doing what he's doing. And so now through neural association, He's feeling the physical benefits that are linking him to this future state. And so in his mind, in his body, he's already achieved that. Now, he hasn't in our current time, but you know, time is relative, right? So in six months or a year from now, when his body is lean and he's strong, he will be able to already move into that space in a much more emotionally, mentally, and spiritually content way sure. because we've now linked his true purpose to why he's doing what or to what he's doing so i'd say those are the first th- three things identify what it what he wants dig a little bit deeper when the ego is down and then once we know what that is constantly anchor so that he will move forward with this great passion you know and it's interesting when when you when someone describes i want to be able to do all these different things that may change the type of training you do as well yeah, right? you're, totally. You're focusing on functional training, functional movements, right? Stability in different planes and, and things that may not be just well. Let's just focus on weight loss and cardio, right. you know, calorie deficits. That's awesome. When you think about the Evolve podcast, 
who would be the ideal guest on that podcast for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I've thought about that a lot. You know, one of the things that when I started the podcast, I had a lot of people tell me, well, you got to niche down. You got to get to the point where you, you know, this is who your ideal customer is. Sure. This is who your ideal guest is. And so you, you can't do it the way you're doing it. You can't do it this way. And I said, okay, well, so I tried to niche down to, the, you know, maybe we're just going to focus on health and fitness. And so we do that. But then I get this wild hair of like, hey, there's this guy over here who's got some great mental training going on. Or, and so my ideal guest fits into really one of four buckets. So with the Evolve podcast, we focus on evolving your body, mind, soul, and tribe. Yep. And so the ideal guest is a person that can come on and talk about either really deep on one of those topics, or they can cover all four of those topics. Because one of the things that I found, Pete, is that if you start to evolve any area of your life, everything else will start to pull together. If I'm getting in better shape, I'm developing more mental strength. I'm developing more emotional resilience. I am most likely going to develop a better tribe, a better relationship, because instead of hanging out with people who are down in the bag of Cheetos at the Super Bowl game, we're now out throwing football in the backyard because now we're all fit and healthy. And so my tribe improves, right? So evolving your body, mind, soul, and tribe is all interconnected. And I would love to say, well, I could niche down further than that. But that's like me saying, eh, we're going to just focus on cardio health, but not the respiratory health. We're going to focus on cardio but not strength. Well, they're all interconnected. Sure. I can't separate my bicep from my hamstring, right? Everything is connected. And so the ideal guest, I would say, is the person that can either go deep on one of those four areas or that has some perspective that helps people to evolve into the next stage, the next part of their the path of their personal evolution by integrating all four. That's excellent. That's excellent. And you're right. If you if you tend to get one of those four pillars humming yeah you don't want to like let the other word. ones not home you, you, yeah. you just you yeah. just realized i can do this so i'm going to address the other parts of my life the other thing about tribe that's so important for something i think for some people their tribe might evolve it might evolve naturally right i might i, I'm yeah, at the, I think it does i'm at the gym sure. now i'm starting to associate more with people who are at the gym at the office i start to talk more about working out and eating right and i choose my, where i eat and who i eat with differently for some people, I think they almost have to take that part and address it first. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. I am not surrounded by people that are going to endorse this or encourage me or or be there for me. In fact, they're holding me back. Yeah. So sometimes you have to almost change your tribe at the same time you're you're working on yourself so that you, you surround yourself with like minded people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And and I think it's that crab effect. And I don't I don't know that it's necessarily anything that's people are intentionally trying to bring other people down, but I think that they naturally do. Oh, yeah. You know, when when we start to tr to change, other people don't know how to respond to that. They feel uncomfortable. And so it's a, well, I'm not so sure about that or oh, I heard that that's not the best way to go. There's these natural inclinations to pull the person down to the level that we're at. So yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I think that changing the tribe or at least going to the tribe and saying, hey, tribe, this is where I'm at. I'm moving in this direction. Support me or yeah, at least just get out of my way. Exactly. Join me or, or, or just, you know, don't hold me back. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Steve, it's been uh, it's been great having the show. I thought I'd wrap that up because I, I I wanted you to tie all four of those aspects of the Evolve podcast together. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, if you, people have going to put, I'm going to put some information in the show notes about how to reach that and and take a listen. It's fantastic, and you can definitely see why the uh, the Fitness Truth was the name of your radio show because you're still you're still uh, you're still preaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a horrible name that I came up with. It sounded like a good idea back in the day. That was the most creative name I could come up. Well, with. it it still holds it still holds water today. So. Yeah, thank you. Thank Steve, you. thanks so much for joining us in the program. I appreciate it. And I'll make sure everybody finds a way to reach you. It's been fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for checking out Eating Crow. Like and subscribe so you never miss a video. 